Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, we got an ad. It's from superyaki.com. If you haven't been there yet, you really should go. It's this really cool website. You can go there. They have shirts for really great movies, also bad movies. But, you know, the movies that film Twitter says you shouldn't like. But they're a bunch of idiots because, of course, you like National Treasure. Of course, you think Judy Greer is awesome. Of course, you want pins with Sofia Coppola, which I think is down okay with film Twitter. And also Jordan Peele, definitely okay with film Twitter. Go to superyaki.com and buy your shit. I know Phil has a bunch of stuff from superyaki.com. I have a bunch of shirts. I've got a I've got a written and directed by Ryan Johnson shirt because I'm obviously a big uh, Last Jedi fan. Uh, they got great Crimson uh, Crimson Peak shirts, which is a fucking great movie that nobody talks about nearly enough. Uh, their shirts are really soft. They're eco friendly, water based inks. They ship with compostable poly mailers for environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. Uh, it's a great website. They're a great company. Uh, Karen Hahn, past and future guest, is uh, has a couple shirts that she's done with them as well, which is fantastic. Um, and as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, that's SUPERFRIEND at checkout. Can you believe this? You listen to our podcast and you get 10% off shirts and sweatshirts and pins and bags yep. from superyaki.com. This is a win-win yep. for everybody. And we get none of that. Zero. <laughs> Um, it's super yaki. That's S U P E R Y A K I dot com. See you at the movies. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it? Podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. Podcast like it. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from 
a cursed womb here in 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybark. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today is Haley Fouch. She hello. is, hello, the um, the senior editor at Collider. She also does search engine optimization, which I actually would like to talk about a little bit because I don't really understand it. Yeah, uh, and she's the host of the uh, the Witching Hour podcast. Yeah, uh, wait, what is what is the Witching Hour podcast? Sorry, I should have done better research. Yeah, get your game together. Uh, no, we yeah. uh, <laughs> we're basically Collider's horror podcast, and we do a yeah, okay, cool. episode on whatever is new or whatever strikes our fancy. Especially lately, there's been a, you know less new stuff, so we've been doing some traveling back in time and looking at favorites. Yeah, and I co-host with. Perry Nemiroff, who's a dear friend and a wonderful human. Mm-hmm. So can I, since you mentioned the horror podcast, I feel like it's worth mentioning that when we were messaging about this film, you said that this movie scared you as a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, wh- what was it that scared you about this movie as a kid? Because <laughs> now I think it's decidedly not that scary. It is not, in fact, that scary. It's funny. Actually, I... I picked this movie because I just remembered how much it scared me when I was younger and I had not seen it since. So I was like, this should be an interesting experiment. Um, I, very specifically, it was the stuff with the water and the electrocuting is what I realized when I rewatched. Those were the scenes that were implanted in my memory. Uh, everything else I pretty much forgot <laughs> and for reason. But yeah. those, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. those got under my skin when I was younger. I, was probably, I mean, I wasn't like a child child i think i was 12 or 13 in that range but mm-hmm. uh young enough for for a woman electrocuting herself in the bathtub with like the sound of a child screaming oh that yeah yeah that, yeah, was that got me that was not nothing <laughs> you're right yeah. it's 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 a, it's a cool moment though i mean this movie does not have a lot of them um but that's that's one that 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 definitely there, there are. I mean, listen. I, I, there are some arresting moments in this film, and I certainly want to talk about the things that work and, and most likely the things that don't work. Um, but uh, so, in 1999, you said you were what, 12 or 13? Did you see this in 99 or I, around then? I would have seen it around then. Um, it was an interesting time in my life where I had like really strict supervision, and it went to like no supervision around 2000. So I, nice. I believe it would have been 2000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm older than you, but 12, 13 was when um, I think my parents stopped banning MTV from me, and then it all went to shit. And then it was over. <laughs> you know, this movie is, I think, and, you know, Kenny and I have done upwards of 130 movies at this point, give or take. And this movie doesn't really exist. I mean, it has two of the biggest movie stars in the world and it doesn't exist. <laughs> like it's a movie that like, and there's a reason for it, <laughs> but um, it, it is fascinating to me. And I mentioned this to Kenny, I was texting with him a little bit that um, there are certain actors that I feel like even when they're not trying are incredibly captivating and Johnny Depp is not one of them. <laughs> like, it's clear to me that this is a paycheck movie for him. And he's just like, yeah, I'll play the fucking evil astronaut. Sure. But when he's checked out, he is painfully boring to watch. I don't know how you feel, if you agree or disagree with that sen- sentiment. I was pretty uh, 
again, having not seen this since 2000 or whenever, pretty blown away by how little he's bringing here. Uh, I did not Me remember too. it that way. And it's, <laughs> it's fortunate that it really is Charlize's film because she's bringing a lot. And thank goodness, because yes. it needs some energy. <laughs> she She's bringing way more than this movie deserves. Like a hundred percent there. She is, she, you know, I, I think as, as a, as a culture, we have come around to just how good she is as an actress, like truly one of our finest actresses. And if you want to say she is our finest actress, I don't really think that like, uh, that's a crazy thing to say. In 99, we were nowhere near there in 99. She was just off of mighty Joe young. I mean, she was, she was a former model. I mean, she looks the way she looks. And I don't think anyone really took her seriously until Monster-ish. Like, yeah. Monster almost felt like um, one of those performances where, okay, so she, she, she had one, you know, lucky bottom of the ninth Grand Slam. Fantastic. But then it wasn't really until, like, the North Country stuff and then, um, and then the uh, Double Cody stuff and yeah, till yeah. when – people started to actually take her seriously and then Mad Max and all that stuff. And now obviously I think everything she does is incredible. I recently <clears throat> watched um, the Italian job, which I think was oh, right around this yeah. time. It certainly wasn't 99, but it was right around this time. Mm -hmm. And it's clear in that movie, just how it's not that hard to outclass Wahlberg, but she outclasses the shit out of Wahlberg. <laughs> and, and Norton is kind of doing a, a similar Johnny Depp thing in that movie where yes. he's just not bringing his a game. Um, but she is just she rises to the occasion every time, and in this movie, like she has that whole monologue more or less into the phone about the about the um, the prince who rapes the princess and whose baby is yeah. it that is so awful on paper and yep, pretty yep. awful in the movie. <laughs> but she sells it like in a way well, I, the other I, I actually can't that believe. She's the other movie she's in in 99 is a movie that I always forget exists sort of, and that she's in, which is cider house rules. Um, which where she's good she, in. she is Another good in that horrible movie. movie that she's a good horrible in. movie <laughs> that she again is bringing her a game. You know, it is interesting that monster obviously kind of puts her on this elevated stage of everyone thinking that, you know, that she's, you know, a, a tremendous actress. And she is, I feel like it's when she shows that she can do comedy as well and different types of comedy that I think a lot of people thought it's the Diablo Cody, it's the young adult stuff, it's it's arrested development, it's arrested development some of that me. stuff. Yeah, where you're just like, oh wait a second, she's got all yeah. sorts of gears going on here. It's not just about putting on makeup and and you know playing a serial killer or whatever. Um, it, it's it's just really it's really interesting. Um, and this film. Again, like she's better in it than it has any right to be, but she also just does not have a ton to work with. Um, you know, she's playing off of Johnny Depp most of this film, and he's not giving her much to work with. It's really so. But two things um, that I you, yeah, you mentioned, like this movie doesn't exist, which is so fascinating to me because it's not that old. The internet did exist, and it has just been swallowed whole. <laughs> which, as a research junkie, Made, gave me the hankering, right? I'm like, well, you can't keep information from me. So I kept digging and digging and digging <laughs> and pulling up dead links and finding things. Um, there's not a lot, but you can find a couple things. And something that really stood out to me, uh, there is one surviving junket interview. Well, not surviving, the link's dead, oh. but you can find it. It's from CNN. <laughs> and this is uh -huh. the intro. 
and we're talking about how Charlize Theron was perceived at this time. She stands five feet, 10 inches and exudes sex appeal. She heats up the silver screen with some of Hollywood's hottest leading men, including Keanu Reeves and the Devil's Advocate. Now 24-year-old Charlize Theron is trading her lingerie for maternity wear in the title role of the astronaut's wife. Gross. You go to so gross. You go to an Esquire profile from 1999. There's a lot of gross, but this one really stood out to me. That haircut, that particular tousled, spiky, messy sort of haircut that creates the illusion that you and she very recently have had passionate sex. Whoa! Uh. So gross. So in terms of like her career rebranding from that to them becoming an Oscar contender, becoming comedian, and becoming one of our great action stars became like my fascination during this deep dive and revisiting over the years how the intros to her interviews have evolved. You look at one from 2017 and it's like, stop looking for James Bond, it's Charlize Theron. What a change from she's trading laundry for maternity wear. Wow. Yeah, that is is brutal. Yeah. That's wild. That's, but that's, that's Hollywood. Like it's, it's, it's a horrible thing to say. And, and I don't think any reputable publication would lead with that, um, these days, but, um, that, you know, kind of, kind of that, that level of crudeness, but, um, but yeah, you get Charlie's Theron was a model and you get put into that box very early um and it's extremely hard to break out of it uh and it it took her i mean i you know monster was mid-2000s but i i really strongly believe that monster was perceived kind of the same way almost like jennifer hudson and dream girls was perceived we're like okay there was this one you know rocket that she got on that just like everything just worked so perfectly but like it's still Charlize Theron like you know like like let's let's get real here um so yeah I'm I'm but I do get the impression that Hollywood I mean I don't want to say they didn't know what to do with her because I don't think that that's fair but it's clear that she was if you look at her filmography she's pushing back right she's picking specific roles she's trying to do specific things and some of them work and some of them are are ion flux um but you know i understand the 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 attempts to try to stay uh as a commodity a box office commodity and also trying to make these movies that she actually really cares about and really wants to do um and it's 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 really impressive you know there's there's some stuff that doesn't work obviously um but i mean i i don't know that there's anyone right now cooler than her i mean watching the old guard and seeing what she's able to do with just she's she's tremendous or fast and furious i mean she's like she's she's cool (laughs) she's not precious like there's just there's just something about her where you know her her i mean i mean part i get what i'm trying to say part of the coolness is a lack of pretension yeah, and that is so refreshing from someone who is also capable of delivering the kind of performances she delivers. You know, I mean, Meryl Streep does it really well. Like Meryl, like I, I will always stand by like what Meryl Streep did in Stuck on You should be should have won her an Oscar, <laughs> right? Like she, she had she, she always had the ability or the desire to kind of you know 
make fun of her own image. But so many people are unwilling to do it. You know, my my like my favorite actress, Angelina Jolie, would never do it. Right? Like never in a million years. Like she went in the exact opposite direction by basically saying, like, I'm gonna get further from you, I'm gonna get more distant, I'm gonna make these somewhat esoteric movies, but you're going to have to respect that I am a serious person. Where Charlize Theron was like, just meet me. Like, you'll see. You'll see what I, I got. And then you, <laughs> then you will have no choice but to respect me. No. That's another interesting I, thing I think, that yeah. remains consistent in profiles from the early days to now is like that she's just a cool chick who's down earth, likes to swear, likes to drink, wants to hang out, wants you to stop treating her like she's so freaking beautiful and precious. And that, like, the the framing around her has certainly changed, but the the core of who she's presenting in those pieces has remained really consistent over the years. I, I guess I'm now, like, becoming a scholar of Charlize Theron profiles because I got obsessed <laughs> with this. It's an interesting move because I think like we, this is probably the first podcast in the history of podcasts that really dug into the Charlize thing. Oh yeah. For sure only, the first. I'm kidding. But, 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 yeah. but it's, on, we're only talking about three, four five years where she has started to, she has, she's reached that like Julia Robert place, Julia Roberts place where it's beyond just like, a person who acts in movies and a person who appears on talk shows here or there. Like she is the old guards a really good example because she is a branded entity on her own now. So to oh, really sure. track where she came from to this point is very interesting. Now, one question I, I have or kind of one point I want to make, and I want to hear what you have to say about this Haley is what seems to happen a lot in Hollywood with actresses is a great percentage. I don't want to say a majority, but but a large percentage of them are um, traditionally beautiful and are presented to the public as a traditionally beautiful leading lady, usually in a supporting role. Mm -hmm. um, and their their challenge to break to, to break through to the quote unquote next level is to show that they are not so unattainable, not so, you know, rarefied, precious. Uh, and we're talking about coming from a place of extreme privilege, right? To be a beautiful, statuesque, white woman um, and, and have to essentially like kind of center yourself. I don't really want to use like, you know, I don't really want to use like terms, of, uh, value judgment terms, because that's not really what I'm getting at. But while it is impressive in its own way, it does seem to be a little boring to me. What's more interesting is someone who just, you know, kicks ass from the beginning because they're amazing actresses. Like Julia Garner right now, like Julia Garner just kicked ass and continued to kick ass, continued to kick ass until, you know, she's been in enough shows that are different enough or enough people have seen her and now are like, I got to see what she does. And the assistant comes out and now she's going to be a movie star. Um, so I do like, that is a little insidious to me too. So, I, I mean, I don't know what you think. Evan. I would say that Julia Garner and Charlize Theron are playing very different games, especially uh, being that Julia Garner is coming up now 
whereas she was coming up in the 90s. And as we just explored, the way we treat women is very different. Um, I, I think that what you said, though, is really interesting in the context of this movie in terms of like these, it is coming from a place of privilege, but it is, you know, her, her prerogative as a woman who wants a career as an actress is to try to rebrand herself and become taken seriously. I see why the astronaut's wife was like the role that seemed a good choice for that. You can tell that she was cast because she is sexy and beautiful. That's a big part of this movie, which I'm sure we'll get into this. But it's like ha- the movie has no idea what it is. It's sci-fi. It's kind of a 90s erotic thriller, but not really. But they do have that eroticism in there. So that was like an easy, an easy cast to bring Charlize in there. But this also gives her the opportunity to really flex in a way a, a lot of those supporting girlfriend roles you kind of talked about don't do. Um, it obviously didn't work out because nobody saw this movie and it doesn't exist. But I do see that wh- why this appeared to be that kind of stepping stone that you're mentioning no doubt. That, that she then later did more successfully. Um, I don't know, given how people perceive her and her overwhelming beauty and statuesqueness, that she had much of a choice than to go that more traditional way. Like I don't know that she would have been given oh, Julia yeah. Garner roles. This isn't this isn't a comment on her. This is a comment on Hollywood, right? Like, oh, sure. This is this is a and and I I don't fault fault people for taking the path of least resistance. In fact, I think that's a smart move in life, right? I don't think you should close a door because you perceive that door to be not worthy of you. If it's a if it's right. if it's a good door to walk through, and frankly, like we're all in Hollywood, doors don't open that often. Right. So you're crazy not to. It's just a matter of th- what I'm trying to get at is like this is a story Hollywood seems to love. You know, the pretty wow. girl has brains, um, which s- seems fucking lame because <laughs> yeah. it because it 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 narrows the 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 pool of potential movie star actresses in particular down to those perceived to be traditionally beautiful by a certain subset of the media and studio executives who still have, you know, visions of Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield in their head. Um, Or even like, you know, even Halle Berry kind of fits into that role in that, that, that mold too, to some extent, though, obviously there are differences, but um, that's just kind of, she's done it so successfully And that's great. And she obviously is as good as anybody, if not, you know, as I said, the best, because I really do think she's as good as they get. But I think, uh, you know, it just kind of reminds me how many people are out there who have not had the opportunities. Well, I I also just want to kind of jump in and just say, you know, if if I'm Charlize Theron and this script lands on my desk or is handed to me to read, I... I I can't help but feel like so much of everything in this town is execution dependent, right? And if you read this script, which I mean, it it, it to me there is a a good campy B movie here, or there's the Roman Polanski Rosemary's Baby version of this, where so I understand this idea of like what she might have projected onto this script. She, I, my, this is a long way of saying that I can't imagine in her wildest dream she thought this film was going to come out of that script. But <laughs> at the same time, 
you know, it's it, 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 to speak to everything you guys are talking about, which is it's a, it's a it's a leading role. Who knows if Johnny was attached to it at the time? I mean, who who knows what sort of things were attached to this thing? Um, I get why she did it, and I get why she perhaps thought there was a much better movie to come out of this. So, it, for what that's worth, I get. I agree with you on the first part, not the second part. I think this is, <laughs> I think this is the worst script outside of Love Stinks. I think this is the worst script we've seen this wow. year. Wow. I think wow. that this. I think this is. Um, <laughs> this is one hundred and one shit, man. She doesn't do one active thing in this entire movie. Well, uh, outside of kill her husband at the end through like one of the great days Sex Magnas you'll ever see. Um, well, can I? I'll just say this. I, I obviously electricity. I like, but but that's fine. I, I just want to finish this point. Yeah, yeah everything sir. about this script is wrong and boring and unmotivated um it's too opaque when it it's too opaque when it should be direct you Damn. you're you're confused until there's an enormous info dump in the middle of the of the movie it's crazy it's crazy uh, i think everything about this movie is terrible i also want to say to both of your points this is an actress with big ambitions who has never played a leading role before where you know number I, she obviously wasn't number one on the call sheet because Johnny, but yeah. she's the protagonist of this movie. She's the titular astronaut's wife. She is the titular astronaut's <laughs> wife. And she is the protagonist of this movie. This is told through her POV, and she is in basically every scene of this movie. She would be crazy not to take this role at this point in her career. Crazy, and also because I think she did the most she could possibly do with it, it makes me think this movie is the most doomed. Like the doomedest movie we've done. <laughs> That's my rant. I think it's a worse script. I think it's a worse script than the Dennis Rodman movie. Can I? Can I? I. I. Well, that's crazy. No, Hold it's on. not. I'll, I'll say this, um, and I need you guys to explain this. I need you to explain this to me because it didn't make any sense to me at the time, and maybe I missed something. So, the end game of the alien is to make twins that would then someday grow up to be pilots for this ship? Y- yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure that I'm not crazy because when that info dump that you spoke of happens, Kenny, where Joe Morton just yeah. like manically on a video cassette just tells a whole bunch of shit to the audience. Which does not um, have to be so grainy. What are you doing? <laughs> Like why do we, why do, why do why does it have to look ugly? That doesn't make any sense. I don't disagree with you. Sorry, but he gives this info dump, and and he expl- he has schematics, and he has all this stuff that he's showing us, and he's like, uh, and you have the twins inside you that are going to, that are going to pilot this ship, and I'm just like, this is a long game con, guys, because it's going to take 20 years before these twins, if these twins decide they're going, it's craziness. I don't understand. Wasn't this a book? No. I think they no. wrote a novelization of okay. the script. Because yes, yes, yes. it yeah. has a book's title, right? It does. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is something that I would see on my wife's bedside table. Yeah, yeah. The um, Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's the book. Yeah. Um, but but, but yeah. to your point, Kenny, it, it, first of all, can I just say, like, if ever there was a movie that does not beg a novelization, right. <laughs> it's this one. So, so there's the, that. The, the first thing, and as we get into the movie, we can talk more about this. The first thing I thought about this movie before I decided it was the worst, and when I kind of liked, 
And there was like a moment I did kind of like at the like going away party when uh, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. my when, when my friend Nick Cassavetes lost his shit. Um, <laughs> like I didn't even realize it was Nick until after, but uh, yeah. But I that like I'm I honestly like put in my notes like. I fucking love the movies. <laughs> Not this movie. <laughs> but like, there's something about that where I'm just like, only movies could do this crazy shit. I was like on some, if the 90s had a house style, this would be in the house style. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And like Rand Ravitch, who directed this, has like gone on to be a you know, pretty successful TV guy, TV yeah. creator. But it does yeah. seem like in the 90s, he might have been a director from director for hire. Even I don't know how he got this job. I was I. looking at his filmography. I'm like, where did this come from? But he, uh, yeah, it does seem like this is in that 90s house style from totally. the cinematography to the kind of flat mm-hmm. as the photography to the, you know, the score, the, the, the score for sure. Oh, the yeah. themes. And there are, I mean, there are some really, there are some really <laughs> horrible angles in this movie that make me wonder like what they're trying to accomplish. But, um, you know, and, and like, all that, almost all like that sort of like angles, but. The, the the attempts at like making everything look like cool and slick and modern. So like there's lots of like steel everywhere where there shouldn't be, like in a hospital that looks like an airport hangar. Yeah. We're just like, I don't understand why any of this looks like this. Um it serves no purpose. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, so let's we should take a second here and, and talk about the Johnny Depp of it all. Um well, I don't want to talk about, oh sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. I have to confess. What I realized watching this, I like the shitty '90s house style. The the oh, so do I, so do I. The I didn't say shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some scenes are gothic with tapestries. Yeah. It's this this house on haunted hill, thirteen ghosts thing, and I like it. I want to oh, make yeah, this no, very I'm not, I'm not clear. On it. I want to make this very clear. The <laughs> shitty house style is my. It's it, it is my mood at all times. <laughs> That is why I'm here. I lit, and particularly what I'm even more than like 99. Though we've seen some 99 movies, I feel like this, we're talking about the early 90s, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the early 90s when they were like breaking out of like, I think like the vast majority of 80s movies are just hideous to look at. Um, there are obviously a bunch of counterexamples, a ton of counterexamples, but once they started to use better lenses, um, but still had like these kind of crappy production values that's my shit those harrison ford presumed innocence type movies or like you know that like the john grisham stuff like i am living for those and this is kind of playing in that same sandbox so i'm with you Haley. it's not shitty it's good it's both but i I also it's i I would also i would also say (laughs) yes it's it's both for sure i will also say this this as we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, you know, 99 is kind of a fulcrum point and, and things are kind of shifting and you can sort of like, this is a nineties house style for sure. But like that page is about to be turned and you can see, you can see the two thousands kind of percolating in this a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that, that's an interesting kind of when when we get to the two thousands and everything, I don't know, becomes a lot, not on this stranger looking, you know, not on this podcast, just as a culture. Um, but but to to speak of Johnny Depp for a second, and and I, I don't we're not going to get into all of his personal shit, obviously. But um, in terms of his career, you know, Kenny and I talked uh, texted a little bit about this as we were kind of thinking about this movie. But he's got a pretty fascinating career. He's also kind of I don't want to say similar to Charlize, but the similarity would be that 
he's trying to do the one for them, one for me as well. Like he's trying to find that balance between studio and indie. Um, it's clear he, unlike Charlize, for instance, or any number of other movie stars, he doesn't really want to be a movie star. And you kind of get the impression that, um, you know, that the, obviously the role that, that becomes stratospheric for him is one where he's, you know, playing Keith Richards essentially as a pirate. Um, and he's just, you know, he's hamming it up and acting and sort of like hiding behind a whole bunch of accoutrement shit. He doesn't really like roles where he has to look like Johnny Depp. Um, and this is kind of one of those roles where it just sort of feels like he's just going through the motions. Um, it's also an interesting time in his career too, because he has, he, he has three films in 99. He's got this, um, he has, uh, the ninth gate and he has sleepy hollow, which we have yet to cover, but we obviously will at some point. Um, sleepy hollow is the like, first hundred million dollar movie one of his first million dollar hundred million dollar movies that really kind of crosses that threshold and makes himself much more of a bona fide um you know he follows it up with fear and loathing or wait fear and loathing might have been before before this right i mean it's before. donnie yeah. brasco i mean we've had this discussion phil like yeah. i yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i'm of Go the ahead. opinion that that johnny depp had kind of found a lane around this time before he was mm-hmm. like a super movie star, but like the one thing about Johnny Depp, you like you can't get past is like he is gorgeous, like he is just like the, just the face on this guy. He doesn't yeah, those cheekbones. He, it's crazy what he looks like, <laughs> uh, and that's how and that's what he's been railing against his whole career. It's like it's a less extreme version of the Mickey Rourke thing, where Mickey Rourke became a, became a boxer to mess up his beautiful okay. face. Um, but Johnny Depp hid behind a lot of makeup and did a lot of Burton movies and all these things and even the you know the Jack Sparrow stuff. But you know he he never I, I don't it, it, the question is like all right, did Johnny Depp want to be a movie star? Kind of like I think there is a kind of there. I think he wanted to be his own version of a movie star, someone who like sure. elevated the John Water stuff, like someone who brought Tim Burton stuff into the mainstream, someone who could like find his own way through a. Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean, and you know, as like I will constantly remember people like that was not, yeah. constantly remind people that was not considered to be a good career move. That was not considered to be a a exciting franchise. That well, was Pirates a, have never worked. I mean, pirates it's never have never worked. worked. Basically, <laughs> like, you know, just... Cutthroat Island was the biggest bomb in the history of film at the time, <laughs> yeah. and Disney rides were not IP. Like Haunted Mansion <laughs> came out. And it was a big bomb with a big star, bigger than Johnny Depp and, and Eddie Murphy. And Disney rides, particularly at that point, before like Disney became kind of hip, uh, I mean Disneyland, um, were a joke. Like it was a joke. And he did something. He found something. He made something out of nothing, which is who well, I, I think he really to- wants to be or always wanted to be. Yeah, I mean I, I, I'll agree with you in the sense that it feels like – I mean, I think we've all heard the stories about, you know, Bruckheimer shows up on set of Pirates and is like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, what is this performance? I don't understand this. Um, you know, and and I don't know who deserves credit for sticking with it, because I think in a lot of other situations, they probably would have just fired him. But um, they stick with it and it becomes ultimately the reason that it's a billion, you know, multi-billion dollar franchise. Um, but to your point, Kenny, I agree with you that... The planets align to hand Johnny Depp the 
perfect role, like the perfect thing that can allow him to be Johnny Depp dialed to 11 and the world loved it. I mean, it's, I still think it's kind of insane. He got an Oscar nomination for, for the first pirates, not that he didn't deserve it, but it's still kind of insane. Um, you know, it's completely insane. It's amazing. That film had a reach that is unlike anything I've really witnessed firsthand. I was working at a movie theater when that came out and I would often have friends and school cohorts ask me for free movie tickets. <laughs> never so much as Pirates of the Caribbean. I've never seen anything like it before or since. Really? The word of mouth traction and the way that people responded to his performance in particular, but also the whole world of that film. And I, I, I do think it's straight up bonkers that he was nominated for an Oscar, but that's just <laughs> that kind of like reach that film and performance yeah. had. I've never seen anything like it. And it is a, a testament to sort of letting him do something he wants to do as a performer versus him clearly not really wanting to be in the astronaut's wife. Yeah, the two biggest I, I, movie stars sorry, of the of the two thousands are him and Robert Downey Jr. and they're both incredible actors. They were incredible actors before they became incredible movie stars, and they yeah. both took what I consider to be super lackluster franchises on paper before they existed, found some way to put their persona into that character. And elevated the entire thing and made their companies, I mean, now both Disney, but and made those companies billions upon billions of dollars based on based mostly on their personality. Like if Iron Man doesn't work, there is no, you know, Marvel. I, I'm not everyone knows that. So and, and Iron Man shouldn't have worked. Like that's the other part. Like yeah. Robert Downey Jr., the superhero coming off Wonder Boys, okay. which I love, should not have worked. Or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, maybe at the time. It shouldn't have worked. Like it just shouldn't have well, worked. This is- but I think that I think what we're circling here is sort of there is an intangibility to a Johnny Depp and to a a Robert Downey Jr. that when weaponized properly is is so special that like audiences feel like they've Great never point. seen this before. Special. And and it's it's one of those things where to your point, Kenny, if you put just anyone in Iron Man, it's it just doesn't work. Like there, there is, it's just, it's just another comic book movie. Um, I think what's interesting about Johnny's evolution to, to, uh, to Jack Sparrow, there's a little bit of sleepy hollow in it too. The success of sleepy hollow, where he plays this very sort of, you know, fastidious kind of twitchy kind of, I mean, he claims that his performance was loosely based on um, Angela Lansbury. Like he's got all this stuff that he's, that's informing that performance and it worked. And I think that, that that's perhaps how they see him successfully being in a pirates movie. But again, it's kind of hard to say. Do you guys want um, to play a little game? Absolutely. I have a game. I just came up with a game. Okay. Okay. Oh so uh, Robert Downey Jr. And Johnny Depp, uh, uh-huh. definitely leading men at some point in their career in the eighties and nineties. Um, mostly 90s. Johnny, you know, Robert Downey Jr. mostly moved into interesting supporting roles. Johnny Depp mostly stayed above the title. But either way, at the start of the decade, after 1999, mm-hmm. they were not considered among probably the 50 biggest movie stars. Uh, maybe Depp yeah. was, but most likely they weren't. Okay. 
who so I so I don't I'm not looking for like Tom Holland. Who from today's landscape yeah. would you put money on to be the breakout in this mold in the 2020s? And I'm talking I, – I, it could be male or female, whoever yeah. like whoever kind of jumps to this you. This might be a late answer. Like it may have already happened, but the one that jumps to mind is Pattinson. Like he has oh. made that leap from leading We're close. We're close. And now he's leading a franchise again, which will sort of test that mm-hmm. metal in a new way. That's a good That's answer. A good That's a very, That's a very good, answer. good answer. He's also, I mean, he's very, uh, yeah, he's very Johnny Depp, and and hopefully in a in a in a more kind of like um, emotionally astute Johnny Depp, if that makes sense. Like he's he's he seems a little bit more locked into. Uh, the career he wants to have, but I expect I think I, I expect him at some point to win an Oscar. Um, I expect yeah. him at some point to kind of you know be be that kind. I, I totally yeah. agree. That's a really good answer. I have a, an answer too, Phil, but I want to hear yours. Please, I'm gonna. Th- I've, I, I'm still chewing. My on answer, I think, is is a little more risky. Yeah. Um, but I'm hopeful. Shia LaBeouf. Oh yeah. I think there's a world where Shia LaBeouf finds the Shia LaBeouf thing, whatever that thing mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, and just becomes our biggest movie star. And we're just like, we always knew it was going to be Shia. I just, I'm, I, I'm speaking of, of, uh, emotional maturity or, or mental, what have you. I'm, I'm too scared that Shia is like still could just, Crater again. Robert Downey um, Jr. Old. <laughs> That's the idea. That was Touché. that idea. Touché. It's the it's yeah. this, it's this overwhelming. The thing with Downey with Robert Downey Jr. that I love is mm-hmm. I do think like his overwhelming talent, which is just so apparent every time he does anything, um, actually beat down his demons. Like I actually think something about it. He realized like. Uh, I'm vital, <laughs> you know. Right. I'm vital, and I and and I can't blow this. And I think Shia is also. I think Shia is amazing. So yeah, I think he's vital, and I think that someone might understand that it's worth taking a I, big swing on him. My my pick is a little bit t- to Haley's. Don't say Adam Driver. Already, Don't say Adam Driver. I'm not going to say Adam okay. Driver. Um, uh, is uh, perhaps already kind of in the water. But I think Florence Pugh has a real shot of being something gigantic. I, I think that she's there's there. I I, I think she has the goods. I just don't. Think she, I, think I she, just don't think she counts for this game. Why? Of, of course, uh, for the game you made up. Really? I'm shocked that you would. Everybody that, makes up. Every game is made up by a person. So yeah, but you yes, can't. But you can't, can't but, so yes, you're right. The game that I created and made the rules for. Why doesn't she count? I, Kenny? Tell me. Tell me why she doesn't count to your game. Because she was born as a fucking leading lady. She's been in like five movies, and two of them, she's the leading lady. Like she, like she. But by that there. rationale, Robert Pattinson falls into the same category. But Robert Pattinson fell so far down. Robert Pattinson has had. 15 years in the public sphere where he has not broken through to the next level, just like Depp and Dat Robert Downey Jr. Florence Pugh, straight up, I think she's been in like five movies and she <clears> starred <throat> I in two of them, like in every fucking scene. So like, come on. I mean, it's like saying Jennifer Lawrence five I'm, years ago. I'm okay. 
Well, this was fun. Um, I'm, I'm really glad we played this game. Um, well, I, I, think, I think Haley killed it. I think she did a great yeah, job. It looks like you had a great time. Um, I'm going to give a synopsis for The Astronaut's Wife. I want um, to astronaut- Yeah, no, please, please, Haley. What yeah, yeah. occurred to me as we were talking about these, uh, actually the whole conversation, this seems to be a recurring theme, but all these these people like Pattinson, LaBeouf, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Johnny Depp, and Charlize Theron are accomplishing more when we let them out of the boxes that people put them in at the start of their career. That like keeps being the recurring theme of these things we're saying is how, and many of them, not just the women are sexualized boxes like Robert Pattinson and Robert Downey Jr. were very sexualized leading men, heartthrobs. And it's when we let them break out of those molds. Exactly. Johnny Depp too. There is something to this Mickey Rourke thing where Mickey Rourke allowed people to beat the shit out of his face to break out that I think is present, including Charlize Theron. I think it's present in a lot of beautiful actors. Just no one is as, I don't really even want to use the word crazy, like straight up method as Mickey Rourke, where Mickey (laughs) Rourke didn't understand a way to break out of it unless he like destroy the thing that's beautiful. But, and you know, Jared Leto does it too. Like, um, like a lot of these actors who have higher aspirations do think that like I can't be so pretty. So I think it's interesting. But I, I, I think I, I agree with both of you. Obviously, I, I think that there's something also to be said for. I mean, this is a very risk adverse industry. Um, you know, they they don't the, the amount of money that is put on the line for these films. Um, it's just it's it's antithetical to taking risks. So I I, I understand why. Um, they play it safe all the time. Um, you know, it's it does take the planets to align in such a way to have... When you look at the amount of careers that don't work versus the ones where you're Johnny Depp's, you're, you're Robert Downey Jr.'s, you're Charlize Theron's, it, it's, it's worth the risk, I guess, if you're that person. Like, it was worth it for Johnny and Charlize, obviously, and Robert Downey Jr. But, like, if you're a studio executive... I just, I guess I just keep coming back to what it must have felt like for Jerry Bruckheimer to walk onto the set of Pirates of the Caribbean and think to himself, this thing's already an enormous fucking risk. And now this guy's doing some sort of weird kabuki performance that I don't understand. And, you know, it worked, but I also understand Bruckheimer's mindset on it i guess i, I get it but i think it's the risk and the gamble that makes it totally. special and electric and surprises people for sure for sure handles that reaction yeah. you don't i mean well i was gonna say you don't get it when they're playing the heartthrob roles but that's absolutely not true as any uh twilight person who's yeah. written about twilight can tell you <laughs> <laughs> it, it is an interesting yeah, thing though that they have to shatter the molds that we make for them as audiences to make the audience love them mm-hmm. even more if they're yeah, good, right? I agree. It, it, yeah. it, it, it is worth it is worth taking that risk if you if you do have higher aspirations. And you've seen, I mean, it's a weird example jumping the top of my head. Even though she's famous as a model before she was famous as an actress, was Rebecca Romaine. When Rebecca, because I think for a period mm-hmm. of time, people thought Rebecca Romaine was actually kind of a good actress. And I'm not saying she's not, but I do think there there was like there was like building public sentiment that that this woman who kind of rose to prominence as one of the most beautiful women in the world, uh, actually, you know, has chops. And then she made Femme Fatale with um, Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma. Which is a very polarizing movie, right? That movie, that movie got, was on best of, best of the year list. And that movie got an F from Entertainment Weekly. (laughs) 
<laughs> so like that's that was a big shot, but it was worth it. Like now, I mean, now we kind of know like she's not quite there, but like, but but it, uh, it's interesting when these people take these giant swings like outside of their comfort zone. And you're right, the I'm 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 always been enthralled by the big swing. I've always enthralled sure. by the trailer that doesn't quite make sense to me, but comes <laughs> from someone who I trust, you know, or the, the log lamb where I'm like, how are they going to pull this off? I have to see if it's possible. Um, and when it is, I, it's and amazing. I, to, to Haley's point, I mean, you are describing most of the trailers for Robert Pattinson's movies. <laughs> like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I, 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 when I saw the trailer for the lighthouse, I yep. was just like, I mean, okay, I, I, I sure. Um, he, you know, he, he is, there is a, it's very interesting. Cause when you see him in interviews or even just in the, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys saw his, his introduction to the Batman trailer at DC fandom <laughs> on the weekend, which literally looked like a hostage video. <laughs> Where he just looked like there was a gun just off screen, just him. like say the words, Robert. <laughs> That's how he's um, That's how he's method. <laughs> he actually has the guy hold the gun. But it's it's is he, it loaded? He seems, it's loaded. He seems so uncomfortable in his own skin, um, and 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 yet I love that he's, about him. He's a really fantastic actor, uh, and then to see like Nolan seem to weaponize his good looks again and try to like give yeah. him this uber charming role which in all the pr like all the press kits for it he just seems deeply uncomfortable even talking about so it's just it's it's really really he's he he's a fascinating guy i, I the last person i would have expected to be this fascinating an actor Haley, are you excited for the batman how, how do you feel, you feel about like, the batman i feel good about it i uh i love batman shit why not and yeah. uh <laughs> i, I love, I love robert <laughs> yeah who doesn't great shit yeah um, i love yeah. robert pattinson i, I actual, love that trailer jokers. yes yeah, 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 yeah. um and i i love that robert pattinson seemingly couldn't like why would he do this to himself he hates the press <laughs> machine he didn't like being yeah. super famous i like that it's such an uncomfortable choice for him and uh Batman, Bruce Wayne is a very uncomfortable character, so I think that's going to play really well. I'm I'm hyped you know, as hell. I, I love it. Y- yeah, and, and uh, it's funnier. So this is very Christian Bale-ish to me too, right? Christian Bale was kind of in the exact same place in his career when he took on Batman, which kind of felt a little beneath him, um, and it does feel a little beneath Pattinson too. But just a little bit, just enough where I'm like, all right, if they do the thing that they can do to this role, it'll be exciting. Whereas, you know, I love Ben Affleck. I will always love Ben Affleck um, more as a person than a uh, – I love him as a filmmaker, but there's just something about the Ben Affleck thing that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but come on. That's not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, not my Batman. All right, we'll be back with the podcast in a couple of minutes. But first, a word from our sponsor. That's right, we got a sponsor. Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much that they decided to dedicate every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. 
from super soft t-shirts rightfully demanding a production of a third national treasure to comfy sweatshirts that reasonably serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings your tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERFRIEND. All caps, no spaces. That's SUPERFRIEND at checkout. And if the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. That's superyaki, S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. Thanks for listening to that ad, guys. Now back to the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So the astronaut's wife. Um, when astronaut Spencer Armacost, a name that does not sound like a name, um, uh, played by Johnny Depp, returns to Earth like, after a mission. It sounds like a defense weapons company. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Uh, returns to Earth after a mission that nearly cost him his life. He decides to take a desk job in order to see his beautiful wife, Jillian, played by Charlize Theron, more often. Gradually, Jillian notices that Spencer's personality seems to have changed, but her concerns fade when she discovers that she's pregnant. As Jillian grows closer to becoming a mother, her suspicions about Spencer return. Why does it seem as if he's a different person? This movie was written and directed by Rand Ravage, who, as we said, moved on to... TV shows like Life, Crisis, and Second Chance. All of which he um, created. All which he created. Uh, the Astronaut's Wife opened on August 27th, the primo slot of August 27th, 1999, in 10th place with $1.1 million against the 13th Warrior, The Muse, and our personal favorite, Dudley Do-Right. Wow. Which is a legit great movie. Good flick. Good flick. Uh, it, it would go on to make $19.6 million on a $75 million budget. I don't understand how this movie costs $75 million. It makes truly no sense to me. Uh, Astronaut's Wife has 15%. That's 1-5 on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 33% from audiences. I'll read three quick uh, snippets from Variety. said, Rosemary's Baby gets an extraterrestrial twist in The Astronaut's Wife, an aggressively stylish but dramatically flaccid drama that plays like an upscale rise of 50s sci-fi pop boiler. Uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it a C plus. Said the movie is far more is far from incompetent. It simply has too few surprises to justify its indulgent atmosphere or malignant revelation. And the last one was the San Francisco Chronicle, which said the movie might not be perfect, but it deserved better than to be dumped into theaters. I rather enjoyed it. So there you go. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is a movie that we've said doesn't exist. No one talks about this movie. Uh, Haley did a lot of uh, a, a lot of digging into the internet, and even the internet doesn't seem to give a shit about this movie, Not which really says did. something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went for the fan um, yeah. sites. You can usually count on fan sites to have logged old interviews. No, nothing. Sure. I, I almost feel like somebody's team did a cleanup on it. It's just so non-existent. Um, and they did. Don't you? Th- part of yeah, that might please. be what I did notice from the uh, reviews I read. This was one that they would not screen for critics. So that could be uh-huh, part of the lack of acknowledgement. <laughs> that was not a. That was not a big practice at the time. That is a big no. practice now because you know it's proven to work to withhold shit. But at the time, that was your kiss of death. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody you, knew that you had a dog. Kenny, do you think, and maybe I'm being too kind to this concept, but don't you think there's a meta scream like movie to be made from this where you have a little bit more fun and a little bit more kind of, you know, self awareness? I think I I I think the there is nothing wrong with the log line um which is which is what i which is you know damning with fade praise i guess but uh sure but rosemary's baby but aliens like i i feel like that's something that any anybody could think of and that doesn't necessarily mean that's not necessarily a dig that is more on some like you you'd read it on deadline and you'd say should have thought of that one, you know. Like, like oh, that, you know, that yeah, that was right here for all of us. We could have had that one. So that's not a. So I, I, but but, but when you said like, and I, I, I'm not trying to like argue, but when you said that the script was poorly executed, more or less, my feeling comes more from where you are now, which is like reimagine this from page one that, have more yeah, fun yeah, with yeah. it um acknowledge that we are talking i mean like rosemary's baby is more fun than this movie right so acknowledge that we are talking about something crazy like a crazy premise and get crazy with it they're like the little seed of this movie that is exciting is the scene that i, I don't actually remember Haley, if we were on mic when you said this but is the the bathroom scene that's a shock yeah. when um when the other wife Natalie kills herself in a bathroom with a radio between her legs in a shower yeah. like that's the weird yeah. ass movie I'm talking about like it's not a great movie but species right. species is a movie that is not so different from this or hollow man is a movie that's not so different from this but those movies go so fucking far and those are like at least fun movies that play in that, that shitty nineties aesthetic that I think we all love. Could I also just say that I think we're talking about the movie that Johnny and Charlize have shown they want to make. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the movie that their careers have evolved into is a far more interesting film that they were forced into this one. (laughs) I I actually Um, wrote in my notes, this is one of the few movies that genuinely should be remade. Because it's like what you guys are saying. The seed works. The seed of the idea works. It's what it grew into is a mess. But like you could regrow that. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was watching this film thinking like, first of all, absolutely should be remade. And and, I mean, obviously drastically changed the plot because it doesn't make any sense. But um, but it is it's it's really interesting to watch this film and see 
and I, I mentioned this to you in my message to you, Haley, like all the thing, all the wrong choices, like it's just the instincts were all wrong in terms of, of like, we're all looking at this concept and saying Rosemary's baby with aliens. Yeah, sure. Of course. Like make that movie, but don't take it this seriously. Like that is a silly premise, inherently a silly premise. And yet this film is so stone cold serious. It's crazy. The devil lends himself to silly. Yeah. And we've seen it over and over for, cause for some yes. reason, 1999 is a devil infused year. <laughs> lends so himself devil. to silly better than aliens do. Like, and I, Mars Attacks is obviously a silly movie, but Mars Attacks is a cartoon, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're talking about, like, heightened, silly, crazy, you know, boogity-boogity stuff. Um, I do want to say <laughs> that this premise is the same as one of the more interesting TV projects in the last 10 years, Extant. Uh-huh. Um, Extant is the Halle Berry show, or Halle Berry show. CBS, the CBS, CBS Summer show? show. Yeah, but I, it's... The story of Extant that that actually kind of speaks to my whole like deadline thing, you know, the whole where did this come mm-hmm. from? Extant was written by this guy Mickey Fisher. Mickey Fisher, I believe, was a mm-hmm. uh, professor, I think, in uh, the middle of the country, and had never had a screenwriting credit or a TV credit. He wrote this script, this spec script on. Uh, he wrote the script on spec with no mm-hmm. credits whatsoever. He got it to a, a manager. And that manager got it to Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg got it to CBS and CBS picked it up for 12 episodes with Halle Berry before movie stars were doing TV, mm-hmm. right? Before it was like Nicole, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon are in three yeah, shows yeah. a year. Yeah, it, That <laughs> is the potency of this idea. Like yeah. they did eliminate a step and it's the right step to eliminate. Halle Berry was the scientist in that. I mean, was the astronaut in that there wasn't that, you know, the, this, the, the process gender. Yeah, there bullshit. wasn't the, yeah. the, the visual villain of mm-hmm. Johnny Depp is now, a, you know, an alien. Therefore, you know, this is who he killed to, to win the movie. It's, it, there was like a, a more interesting idea about femininity and motherhood and, and vulnerability and, and, you know, the idea of growing something inside of your body. Um, that was, you know, kind of thrilling on paper. But yeah, this idea is very potent. And to have swung and missed this badly uh, is is a real – It's pretty crazy. It's a real black mark on everybody involved, I, I think, I, I, you know, it's, of, the, you, you of, of the lead actress. You were talking about the devil and you were talking about, you know, the, the boogity-boogity stuff that you spoke of earlier. Sure. Um, and uh, – that makes me think about one of Johnny's other 99 films, which is The Ninth Gate, which is a film we'll ultimately talk about at some point, directed by Polanski. Um, you know, I... Interesting. It's an interesting movie. It's we'll weird, talk about it, obviously, that, at a later date. It's but, weird that Polanski did a movie with Johnny Depp the same the same year Johnny Depp did a Polanski movie with Rand, Rand Ravage. Same year. Rand yeah. Ravage. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. What did it make you think about? You were about uh, to say... No, I, I think that there's something very... Um, yeah, no, I, what it makes me think about is that, that Ninth Gate is, I'm not sure, but I think it's a dark comedy. I could be wrong. I think that that movie is playing a lot more with tone and a lot more of sort of the absurdity of the devil, the absurdity of the situation. Johnny seems a lot more, I mean, he's just more locked in. He's obviously working for a Kelly, have you seen that movie? For good or for bad. 
I, I have, but it has been an era, so I cannot remember the tone as sure. much as some imagery. Yeah. Yeah. No, for I sure. think I'm, and I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm not... I'm not riding for Ninth Gate, just to be clear. I have my issues with it, and and we we were going to do it a while ago, and it didn't happen, so we're going to do it at some point. So I, it's not fresh in my head, but you know I've watched it in the last probably six to eight months, maybe maybe closer to a mm-hmm. year. But so my my point more than anything is that that movie, for good or for bad, is doing a lot of weird stuff, and a lot of it doesn't work, and a lot of it is interesting. Um, this movie weirdly takes no swings. Like that might be the thing that's the most disappointing about it is that there's no skin in the game. Like you're watching this film and it just feels like someone who's going, everyone feels like they're going through the motions aside from Charlize Theron, who's like, but guys, I'm the astronaut's wife. Like this is going to be great. And, and unfortunately it's just, it's just not, um, you know, I, I think that, that that's kind of part of the problem too which is that it's a first-time director. Uh, there, there's definitely a $75 million, I can't believe they gave $75 million in 99 is in 120 today? Yeah. A lot of money. $120 million to a, to a filmmaker who's never done anything before. But anyway, um, all that being said, uh, I think Shirley's Theron's haircut is is a homage to Mia Farrow's no in Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Johnny's accent is. I think it's sometimes it's Southern. His bleach tips. I, I mean, like all of it. It's just, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I, I would love to know what was going through the head of Johnny Depp in this performance. Cause there, it's just vacant. It's a really vacant role. I think it was the New York Times review. Yeah. I really liked this line. She said he's yeah. playing the character as one part NASA, two parts Elvis. I was like, yeah, pretty. pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that. Um, so just to you know, let's talk about the plot of this movie, or at least jump around in it a little bit. Um, the movie opens with. Some like weird lovey-dovey scene between the two of them. They're watching TV and we're supposed to be like, oh, we love these two. We've spent two and a half minutes with them in bed. They have matching haircuts. <laughs> they um, watch black and, and white films. And they're watching a black and white movie and then they giggle under some sheets and we're supposed to be like, we love these two. Um, then Spencer calls his wife from space to have phone sex, it seems. <laughs> what he As says, what are you does. wearing? While she's, as, one, as one does. Is while that not what government funds are for? <laughs> so, so that happens. Uh, then Jillian's sister Nan, played by Clea Duvall in a thankless fucking role with some barrettes that are so 90s. Weird role. I'm so glad you singled those out. They really tickled me and, and gave me hardcore nostalgia flashbacks. <laughs> it was something. Here um are. <laughs> so then Nan says something that I just don't know how to feel about, which she said, men are like parking spaces. All the good ones are taken and all the available ones are handicapped. I think you know how to feel about that. Which is not good. <laughs> I think it's, right. it's a bad line of dialogue. Yeah. That line, uh, I think, in the remake. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that line doesn't get transferred over to the 2020 oh. version, but... Uh, Jillian has a feeling that something, she just has a premonition that something happened to her husband, uh, which is then, you know, moment, literally moments later, she finds that there's been some sort of a, some sort of an explosion on the spaceship while they were doing some sort of mission. It should also be said, they spent $75 million on this movie. There is 
one space sequence. It's a dream sequence that lasts maybe 30 seconds. Um, we don't see the explosion. We don't see this alien nothing. Like, what? All right. So, this, so this, is, this is a good point. This is a good point of the movie to, yeah. to discuss, like, one of its most fatal flaws. <laughs> this movie is about a woman who is impregnated with alien DNA, let's just say. You know that going in. I do not need half of the movie keeping that from me. Like, yeah. it, I, I, there is no yes. other way this movie yes. can go, right? So because of 45 that. 45 minutes yeah, until she gets that, pregnant. That's right. Because of that, Phil, spend some of this $75 million <laughs> and show this dude yes. being attacked by aliens. Like, I yes. know what's happening when he gets down there. <laughs> and I know that we are now dealing with, and you know the whole movie that we're dealing with the Terminator. We're not dealing with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so I, I know when he gets down there that he is a clear and present danger to the character, to the only character I now care about. And there's no like, what happened? Who knows? Come on! <laughs> I agree so, with you one thousand percent. That is, when, why, that is at, like number one why I think this movie's incompetent. Like incompetent. at the at the when she finds out she's pregnant, I paused the movie to see when it was, and I was like, forty two minutes, yeah, forty two minutes to tell me something that's on the fucking poster. Yeah, like it's just it's it you can't do that but that's without but that's to your just point pregnant with a baby so like take it a yeah. step further right that's not okay. even pregnant with an alien baby because then yeah. she has like yes, yes. like i feel like this 20 scene, more minutes of her trying to figure out that she's got yeah when she's on the phone which is joe Mor- joe morton right when she's on the yep. phone and telling this the, the parable of the prince and the princess who got raped i think that was shot day one because yes. the amount of emotion that she brings into that scene could only happen when she doesn't know what the fuck else she's been playing the rest of this movie. Like, because, because in, in, out, out of context, like, out of context, that scene could have been powerful. The notion yep. is really powerful that you don't know if the baby inside you belongs to the man you loved and will never see again or the man that killed the man you love and raped you. That's powerful. But like we are so far ahead of the plot at this point <laughs> that I'm just like, God, I feel so yeah. bad for you, Charlize, that you are bringing yeah. your A-ist A game for the yeah. D-ist D material. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So she, so Jillian uh, is is goes to the hospital, like the military hospital, and there's a very strange sequence where I think we have like this plane, like this spaceship POV, where she's like in a room. And there's like this big screen, and she's oh. like seeing the ship land or something. That I was like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm watching, and I don't know why we needed any of this. Um, I got nothing on that one. And then, <laughs> and then we have this amazing uh, one of. So this movie really only has like, I'm going to be generous and say four moments or four scenes that I found like uh, compelling <laughs> or like interesting to watch. Fair. And one of them is uh, his his partner, uh, Johnny Depp's partner, this guy Streck, who's played by Nick Cassavetes, is put in what does not look like any sort of an operating room I've ever seen before. No. But it's like this it's kind of weird... a sexy operating room. <laughs> it's super sexy. It's like 
really slick and cool. And it has a giant glass window that his wife can just watch him being, um, being resuscitated, I guess, sort of. The, it's, it's sort of like pseudo futuristic, but not really. And, and there's this crazy staccato, like strobe lighting. And at least I was like, I'm 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 interested in what I'm watching. I don't know what it has to do with anything, and it, it's it's dumb. But at least it looked interesting. I don't know what you guys thought of that scene. It's fine in a different movie. <laughs> it's, it's fair enough. Like yeah. not enough to carry yeah, through all the other waiting you guys just addressed that we have to do. A hundred percent. And also yeah. the the flip of I don't know. So they. Like you said, it's on the it's on the poster. We know the jig is up. We know the punchline. Um, but they've decided to do this thing where it's like, well, maybe it's maybe it's in her head. And you're like, yeah, no, I it's yeah. not though. I know that it's not uh, because I just watched that man die that on not. an operating table and and, have this and party everybody knows it's not. Yeah. Like not yeah. even you. Like that's like the the most much, but like the thing that yeah. like, you know, the, this this basic kind of idea that's been around forever like let's not trust women when they tell us what's happening to yep. them um is powerful in some movies there there is power in the idea that nobody is trusting my, my own sense of my own reality um but that only works if that person is the only one aware of what's happening to her we saw johnny depp's partner die from like Right. Blood eyes? I'd be like, we saw the craziest shit happen to this guy. At that point, <laughs> we should all be scared. Oh, it also, there's also like literally the worst yeah. fucking line, I think maybe yep. in the movies. When um when he dies, Alex dies, hmm. and they do the um and they do the press conference, and the doctor comes and you know, yeah, he's at the press conference, and she's I wrote this down, she's being asked questions about it. And, uh, and and they ask, is, is Johnny Depp's character going to be okay? And she says, he's in no more danger than any of us. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a real normal thing to say. What a – what a yeah. – I mean, like, who would, yeah. who would phrase it like that except to be so goddamn heavy-handed with your, like, with your symbolism? Yeah. I, like, yeah. yeah. That's how I feel about this movie. I also, I also I, I want to like say – like a very strong – Ugh, about this movie there's there's a there's a moment in the party before nick cassavetes dies that also really bothers me uh and this bothers me in in movies in general which is when we're supposed to believe that they're having a really good time and they're laughing <laughs> and everything is great and you don't buy it for a fucking second and you're just like if you guys can't make me believe that this movie's dead like if i can't believe that you guys are you know, enjoying the bad karaoke or, you know, even the way that like Charlize drinks the beer, like all of it's just bad. It's just, it's just a, an unbelievable moment that I was just like, oh man, well, this is just, this is going to be bad. There's I'm like nothing sure. tangibly human in any of the dialogue or the movement Agreed. or the way they yes. behave. The yes. part where this, they're at a different party, a fancy party. And the woman's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said you were a second grade teacher is the most unnatural okay. thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> no one acts like a human in this movie. I, I also, yeah. right, so I, I want to say two things. Uh, <laughs> one, I'm pretty sure Nick Cassavetes tries to impregnate his wife 
at a table yes. during the party. Yes, I agree. So I, my sense is these aliens, while they could speak English and have a good sense of their, their, their host's life history, don't really understand common mating. Social norms. Which is just mating, the, the, the mating dance of a human being. This is confirmed when at that same fancy party, Johnny Depp they starts have having sex with Charlize Theron. Just like in full view of everyone. Well, in full view of us, but like, yes, like behind a column at like the Met, column. Yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then we do something really weird, which is not even a direct cut. Like it's one of those like unbroken yeah. shots where it goes from vertical to horizontal and suddenly they're in bed. So am I to believe that this sex alien, this rape alien, on, yes. did, he, he just got in the cab and he was able to hold his shit together? <laughs> or like, like, are, are they having like, they, so first they were going to have like, they were going to have like standing up Roman column yeah. sex. Sure. But sure, they yeah. decided, but they decided to hold off until they got home. Hold or yeah. like, so I, I, <laughs> This is like I, this movie is so bad; it's not even worth getting into. Like this, like oh yeah, we're not going to get into the the, the, the yeah. rules of it. But the rules are also a disaster. Like the 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 yeah. way these aliens operate is just a disaster. Most notably in the absurdity of their plan, just the just craziness insane. of the plan. I also want to just take a second here these to the talk dumb about how. Aliens how this movie also (laughs) feels like it's sorry oh sorry i think we're on a slight delay sorry about that um nobody acts like humans but the aliens do also not act like believable aliens like i know but i don't buy it (laughs) that's a really good point aliens don't act like aliens yeah no it's absolutely true like like this is the first movie i've seen about an alien invasion where like humans are actually kind of better than the aliens. Like we take it, this, this, was, this one wasn't that hard to put down, you know. This one took yeah. this took a little electricity. That was it. There's also this like insidious sort of anti-medicine, anti-science theme coursing through this movie as well that I don't really love. I don't love that Charlize is open with this with this obstetrician. It seems about her. Uh, psychiatric wounds if you will or sort of these like this darkness in her life um and 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 her starting to see loved ones dying and 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 all this sort of stuff and it kind of just breezes past that stuff and again it falls into the like they don't believe her we don't believe in this kind of this i guess mental health or i'm not really sure what and then later with the with the quote-unquote abortion pills which i don't know what that's all about because she seems like she's at a pretty late stage in the pregnancy at that point um the pills are like black and red and look really evil like there's just a lot of stuff that i'm just like what are we saying about medicine in this movie like what are we saying about like women's health just kind of in general or like human health like it's just very strange i don't know i I maybe i'm reading into it too much well yes i would say so because i was gonna say i think this ties into the there is no logic Nothing is anything you would recognize <laughs> as human or alien. Fair, uh, enough. fair enough, fair enough. I, yeah, the I definitely was pretty grossed out by the abortion scene as well. On all of the sex stuff is gross. Uh, I think that maybe ties in all the all the all the women's women's health in any capacity yeah. in this film is just handled poorly. I I, I I agree with both of you, and I think this is. Uh, but I don't think it's. In, I don't. I don't think it's insignificant to show that you know to like this whole house style thing, 
that <laughs> thoughtlessness is dangerous, right? Yeah. Like it's dangerous to present this as this is just how it is, right? And I think that that's something that like we're coming a little we're we're, we're coming a little uh, closer to coming to terms with with the way we've done that, the way we've just presented reality in a very kind of, you know, cis white male kind of way that is often not even considering the humanity of other people. Um, and, you know, you kind of yada, yada, yada it by saying, well, big deal. It wasn't that important to the plot. But like, no, yeah. like it's just important it's, to the culture to get shit right. So, it, yeah. I, Sorry, Haley. No, no, no. Okay. Um, I agree, but I think maybe this movie doesn't deserve credit in that way because I don't, I don't feel from the film itself much actual empathy towards her character and what she's going through, as I think the, the ending kind of evidences. So I, I don't think that it's trying to make any statement about like the danger of thoughtlessness and how we treat women. No, no, no. I, yeah, no, I don't think it's. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think it's trying to make a point. I think it is thoughtless. Oh, I think okay. the yeah, movie I, making, I agree. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. I think the movie making is thoughtless. Yes, I think yes. it is thoughtless, okay. and I think it is lacking in empathy. And I think it is it is presenting these ideas as this is just life, and not even like like life is being thoughtless. Like, no, no, no. We're showing her with her doctor. We're showing somebody who's yeah. open about her feelings. Like, this is what you do with characters. But obviously, you know, I, I didn't see like a female name. Anywhere on the credits outside of Charlie's Throne. And nope. So I just, I wonder um, if there was, you know, it's a weird thing to make. It, it just really, even then, even before, you know, kind of the social movement towards inclusion, it's a weird thing to make a movie about a woman without a woman's input somewhere on the producerial team. It's just a weird impulse. And not an uncommon one. Um, I was going to say, this is no. like a recurring theme is these movies about like fears of pregnancy are so often made by men. Um, even I've got my alien shirt on. That's a, you know, sort of the king of it. Um, <laughs> you've got yeah. Rosemary's Baby. We talked about Extant. Like these, I, I don't know how this keeps happening. It feels like maybe a woman should have their hand in one of these at some point. Well, I, let's 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 get into that for a second um, because me and Phil are mad. Why do you think? It's why did you were obsessed true. with this? It's a, it is a weird thing. I don't know, man. I feel like you guys could tell me better than I could tell you. Well, I I I'll do my best, but I'm I'm interested in what you think uh, as kind of an armchair psychiatrist, like <laughs> what the what that impulse is for men to constantly be making movies about how horrifying pregnancy is. If I were to hazard a guess, is it perhaps tied to uh, the idea that like, it's so it's a part of the human experience. You can never comprehend fully or experience yourself. Um, but this is all very tricky in terms of gender and how things are today. And I don't mean to exclude anyone or say the wrong thing. I'm talking about these archetypal storytelling devices. Mm -hmm. Um, like, do do you guys think that that could be part of the fear is that it's this intangible, uh, element of the human experience that can never be fully experienced or, or understood internally? Yes, I think, yes. So, I, I do think it's a little 
first of all, I think most men are very comforted. Most cis men are very comforted that we don't have to give birth. So let's recognize our privilege in that respect. Like, I know I am. Not having to give birth is pretty fucking sweet. I, I have no threshold for pain. So, you know. But that being said, you also don't get to experience this transcendent thing, right? This transcendent thing um, happens. What I can't seem to understand is why movies about pregnancy made by men always present the pregnancy as something terrifying, right? Like is it, it's, I get that it's painful. I get that it's debilitating. You know, I've seen my wife go through it a lot of times now. And I get that it, you know, fucks you up in a lot of ways, but like, and it is scary. There's a scary element to like, what's going to happen when we're giving birth. But it's not like, is a murderer going to come out of my body? You know, is is the end of the world <laughs> going to come out of my body? Like, it's interesting because the first one that comes to mind is Eraserhead, which is not about pregnancy, sure. right? Eraserhead is about parenthood. Oh yes, sort of. it's about how it's about <laughs> essentially how men are just not natural caregivers, <laughs> um, and 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 how like we are like. We are just starting from scratch with this thing sure. we don't get. Uh, not all men, but me. Um, so I, 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 that's why I keep like kind of asking you, Haley, because and Phil, please, you too. I just, I, it, it is a weird phenomenon, and it just, it, I don't even think it's coming necessarily from a place of misogyny. It's coming from this place of like, to your point, I think you were saying like exclusion seemed to be a lot of it, but. And maybe even well, I think it's. I, I think it's. Go ahead. I think that the exclusion part is definitely a part of it. I think that there is a a lot of like, we can't do this. How come we're? You know, it's it's. Why can't we do this too? But I think also, part of it does feel a little bit like the anxiety of a man not being prepared for fatherhood or parenthood. Um, I, I think that that's, I mean, I literally just watched Knocked Up yesterday for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time. Um, and, you know, I think that that film obviously has fun with the, the the anxiety and the stress that comes with it. I think that there are films made by men about pregnancy that harness that more, that it's more about like, I'm not ready for this. I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that there's a lot of that anxiety of just, unpreparedness now the the horror side of it i think has far more to do with what you guys are talking about though. let's yeah, let's, a, let's like, play another game I, I in terms of exclusion that i think that's part of it but i also think that it's like fear of the unknown and the unknowable um yeah. and <clears throat> i don't know if this is true because i am 100 percent not a scientist but i have like read that common <laughs> thing that um, because they can, like a man can never know without a DNA test for sure that it's their kid. Uh, I, I think oh. that there may, may be some of that anxiety in there as well. Hmm, yeah. I mean, that, we, that, we, we, have, we have, we have, that's we have trust thing. issues yeah. as a, as a gender. <laughs> you do, it seems. If, if you don't, if you don't run through that thought experiment when you meet your, your kids, then, uh, I, I just, I, I don't really know who you are, <laughs> but, um, so there's something to that. <laughs> Um, especially when your kids are like objectively much better looking than you. Um, it's like, uh, where did these go? Uh, 
Where did these boys know. come from? This doesn't make a lot of I wanted to play was okay. another a game, game? A movie another? about pregnancy directed by a woman because I can't. Tully the, was not directed, written. Never mind. No, Juno also written by and not directed by. Yeah. Um, Is that possible? There's got to be one, right? I'm was sure. Junebug written by a directed by a woman? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. But I will sure. look it up. I will also I admit that no, pregnancy is not my genre of expertise. <laughs> obviously, we there, brought obviously, you on here because are, we thought that pregnancy was your. Uh, it's yeah. Directed by Phil Morrison, who I assume is a man. Um, obviously, there are movies directed by women uh, about pregnancy. Obviously, like we're just you know either having a collective brain freeze or there hasn't been a super prominent one. But, Not really um, about pregnancy so much as like fear of your own child, but um, oh my god, it's so many words. We need to talk about Kevin. Is oh it, sure in yeah. that vein? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just it's, it is interesting that obviously there are a lot of systemic issues to why women aren't directing more movies, but there are movies directed by women. And why they don't find this topic nearly as interesting as men seem to. What about the um, was uh, what to expect when you're expecting? Was that directed by a woman? No, God, maybe. I hope no not. idea. <laughs> That'd be that. <laughs> yeah, well, that I don't know. That would just um, be a bad standard bearer. Um, let's see. Kirk Jones. I don't know this. So no. Huh. No. All right. Well, you know what? It was it was my last try, directed but. So we are now at the point of the film where Charlize is dancing around the house pregnant to sort of almost electronic calypso music, kind of, that I don't really completely understand, but that happens. Um, and then Bridget Joe Morgan Jones shows baby up. directed by a woman. There you go. Found it. Found it. Found it. Uh, Joe Morton shows up. He's been fired by NASA and he confronts Jillian to say like, your husband's not your husband. This was one of the scenes that I liked for what it's worth, because it felt like it was as dialed up and silly as this movie needed to be. And whether or not it was conscious of it or not, you have like these manic extreme close-ups. You have this swirling camera work around uh, a fucking uh, carousel. Like it's all just, so dialed up and silly that I was just like, this is the manic energy this whole movie needs to have, uh, which unfortunately it doesn't. But I, I did like that scene. I'll say one more. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, even though it's mostly about having a kid, but pre- it starts with pregnancy. Look who's talking. Okay. Yes, there. That's a perfect example. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Moving on. <laughs> um, I also like that moment now, because uh, Charlize appears to be having a small stretch of fun, which is always enjoyable yes, as yes. an audience member. You can tell that, like, and so is Morton. Like, so is yeah. Joe Morton. Like, it seems to me, like, for the, for a day, my guess is they locked into the movie. And everyone was like, okay, these two actors get it. Um, maybe the director didn't. Who the fuck knows? But, like, it just all felt like this is the movie we should be making. And then, unfortunately, it kind of it, – it obviously falls apart after that. But she hasn't – she uh, – um, Oh, then, oh, sorry. Then Jillian finds out that Natalie was pregnant with twins at the time of her suicide, the woman that killed herself in the shower. And then they do an autopsy and show that the twins and Reese, I don't know, there's something about like, oh, sorry. There's this moment where she's trying to meet Reese who has the autopsy results and then Johnny 
intercepts him, uh, kills him, although we never see him die. This is another thing. A lot of off-screen deaths. Clay yeah. Duvall dies off-screen. All sorts of people just die off-screen for Don't no reason. He's like kind of have a vision of that. Like, <laughs> yes. Which is then confirmed later. Yeah, like, but it's a vision of like him grabbing her head or something. You don't even yeah. really see him what like a weird. Like another reason why these aliens are bad at like world domination. <laughs> That's not a good thing to give your host like the ability <laughs> to see whenever someone is killed by an alien. And like, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, but then one of my favorite moments in the movie is. <laughs> When she finds the video cassette, she watches, you know, the info dump from Joe Morton, who says, if you're watching this tape, it's because I'm fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually good. (laughs) That's a lot, too. I'm fucking dead. Like he, he gets really, in. really big. Yeah. That one can, he goes uh, so big with it. It's great. That one, can, that one can get put on the spreadsheet of best, uh, best lines of ninety nine. Um, the audio recording of uh, from space doesn't sound like it's from space. It sounds like it was just recorded in like a recording studio. It makes no sense. Um, <clears throat> so here's for our audience the explanation of what the aliens are trying to do. Joe Morton believes the signal was an alien that wanted to get to Earth and traveled as a sound wave through space, taking over Spencer's body. He believes it will use her twins to pilot the McLaren plane that is designed uh, and disables warfare machinery. Yeah. Makes no sense, guys. Makes no sense. But that's what the fuck happened How in do you this movie. take that wonderful, like you said, immediately catchy log line and go, wait till you hear my end game. <laughs> I just like like how about this how about this you have aliens in your stomach we don't know why but you don't want them like there's no <laughs> way this is good and like, nothing good's gonna come from it oh, I, have, um, I, I have another thing to say about this movie please yeah yeah this movie is a movie to Haley's point like this movie is a movie with no end game because it, 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 it is baked in. It really doesn't. Well, you can't you can't end this movie with the abortion of two twins in utero, even though that is what you would do. That is what you would have to do. But you would never do that in a movie. So, I mean, as like a as a as a you know mm-hmm. a, a climactic victory for your protagonist. Mm-hmm. So you have to end it on a Rosemary's Baby downbeat where the bad guys win. But the problem yeah, with these yeah, bad yeah. guys is that they're fucking stupid and their plan <laughs> fucking sucks. So there's no reason. Like when, when the bad guys win, if you kind of win this movie, you're just like, oh, what? Like, how, yeah, what's their win? How did they pull this off? Because she decided she wanted the alien babies? Like she, like, like, there, there is a way to do it. It's to make this character so royally messed up yeah. that she would prefer alien babies to nothing. But, but then you have to make the main character yeah, sorry, interesting, which uh, it did not seem well, to be in the cards yeah. for the script. Every every time they cut to a pop flash of the twins in her oh, in her wow. stomach, I laughed. Because I'm just like, hold on a second. Am I supposed to be 
like ag- rooting against the babies here? God, like, is is that what I'm supposed to be doing? They just look like babies. Like they didn't jazz them <laughs> they just up look like anything. babies. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't make them look like evil babies. They just like gestating babies. <laughs> like I'm just like I don't understand what I'm supposed to be yeah, feeling. I mean, they were very cute babies. Right. They were cute. Yeah. And they were the they were the Sprouse twins. Those movies. Yeah, they turned. Into, they they were became stars. Those guys had a 1999 movie devoted to how cute they are. <laughs> like, this is true. The movie, so a hundred million dollar movie about how cute these two people are. Uh, just to, to quickly jump ahead, we now get to the apartment, and obviously she's confronting him. She has unleashed an amount of water on this apartment that's not possible. I don't even if you had every faucet running, it's not possible. But it's just a deluge of water. Did I miss something? I, how, how does she know the water works? I mean, I know that we've seen people drown. It's never explained, or or or, or, or I think she's putting it together yeah. based on the fact that it killed. The woman, okay. the pr- Natalie, with the twins. So she's just putting two together, two and two together, in a, I guess. Um, so now there's arguably my favorite line in the film, <laughs> which is when Spencer says, there was a time when I said I'd go up there and bring you back a piece oh, of heaven. And fucking A, I did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> fucking A. Fuck, fucking A, I did. It's the only moment where Johnny feels like he actually is having fun. Yeah. He okay, probably improved the fucking A just to give it a little life. <laughs> Not to belabor a point. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Am I to believe that that's a colloquialism <laughs> that aliens use? Like, <laughs> that, that's what. <laughs> fucking A? Sure. I mean, I love fucking A. Fucking A is great. But they do not uh, it's also very not very nineties. Yeah. Yeah, so nineties. They okay. don't understand mating rituals, but they're really good with slang. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hello, fellow kids. <laughs> I'll say this though. The electrocution sequence is the only part of this movie where I was like did they spend seventy million dollars on just that sequence? Because yeah. it's the only part that looked actually looked like good. Water like even today. But it was just like the whole sequence, which I think takes no more than five minutes at most, um, was pretty cool. Like it had that whole like Terminator 2 abyss kind of water effect stuff and it looked cool. Um, but it's the only thing that looks cool in this movie. I don't I don't like the look of like the creature or the sound waves or whatever they're trying to sell us. But I oh. like the look of the scene leading up to that. Nice. Movie stinks. Yes. Um, yes, 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 yes. The alien is 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 basically the alien from the abyss. It is right. Like it basically feels like the same thing. It's like a yeah. water energy sound wave um, alien. But, yeah, go ahead, Kenny. No, that's it. It's like a water energy sound wave alien. Um, uh, Jillian lifts her feet off the floor, so it electrocutes him. The alien comes out of Johnny and goes into her eyes. And now she is the host, is what we're led to believe. Um, she remarries another astronaut or a pilot who's going to be an astronaut or some shit. I don't know. Um, We've never. She's met. got one of the worst wigs of '99. <laughs> bad wig. That wig is crazy. It's a bad wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Sprouse twins show up. They look evil for a second. 
and then they get on their school bus and the camera cranes up to show that they're living next to what I'm assuming is this military air base of some sort. Uh, and I guess we're supposed to believe that in 20 years, <laughs> these aliens are going to pilot this ship and they're going to get their revenge. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's an anticlimax, you might say. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Ellie, what, it's, Ellie, it almost what, feels what, like it's teeing up a sequel. Ellie, what movie do you do you wish you came on and talked about? <laughs> <laughs> what movie, is there? Is there a movie? Don't ask me for ninety nine. But what movie? Is, yeah, any movie is the any anti anti astronauts way for you? I, what what movie do you think really works? As a as a, as someone who hosts a horror who hosts a horror podcast, but I I would also assume there's a lot of genre stuff going on in there. It is the most obvious answer, but Alien is maybe my favorite movie of all time. And in terms of everything that this gets wrong, that should be done right, I would have to say Alien pretty much does it. Um, Spectacular one, unbelievable! It's just incredible. I watch it at least once a year, and I I will talk about that movie any damn time. Um. But I'm honestly. Is the first Alien your favorite Alien movie? It is the first one. Yes, very much so. Uh, I'll do love and respect to Aliens. I like the slower, creepier stuff. Those are Resurrection guys. You know, I mean, oh, I like Resurrection. I'm not saying it's the best one. I'm not an idiot, but I, I I don't, I don't hate it like everyone else. I I think that I think I think Resurrection is is very good until the baby, and then it's just a disaster. I don't hate any Alien movie, and I never will. Uh, and I also have fun with okay. Resurrection. I think people take it too seriously. And if they would lighten up, it's actually pretty fun. Uh, I agree. But I do want to say, I'm not bummed about coming on here to talk about this because this is <laughs> such an interesting experience of like, I've never found a movie that's so recent that was so swallowed up by history. And that was fascinating yep. and, and exploring how this this movie with two huge stars, or, or she wasn't yet, but he was really in a peak and yeah. just erased it's phenomenal it's interesting but i would also say to, to your point she wasn't a star in 99 yeah. but we've all had those moments where like someone becomes a star and then we go digging into their filmography and we find things no one went digging for this movie yeah you don't and want I don't to even, i couldn't like if you google the director's name and in interview it will autofill with a woman who shares the last name like you can't and he does have a TV career, so I'm just so baffled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, one so thing, I'm stoked we talked about this terrible movie. We I, I, no, this was I. I have to tell you, this Kenny, was one of the better. That, uh, I don't. I agree. I was just going to say yeah. that, like, I w- I think Kenny and I both went into this. I'm, I'm going to speak for myself, but I went into this thinking. I'm kind of excited to do The Astronaut's Wife someday. Like, I looked at the list of 99 movies, and I was like, listen, this is a movie that doesn't exist, and, like, maybe it's going to be fun. The movie's not. The movie is legitimately not fun. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I, I guarantee you that we can have an interesting conversation about it, and we did, and I'm thrilled that you came on, so I really oh, do appreciate it. I thought there was a pretty good chance it would be decent. <laughs> I kind of did, too. I was like, maybe it's not terrible. Maybe it's, like... You know, maybe there's a Dudley Do Right in in the astronauts. Talking, but you're talking a- to a couple guys who love End of Days, so like, oh, right. <laughs> we're pretty we're pretty open to this stuff. Like, there, it's just this doesn't work. It does. There is some Stockholm syndrome going on with us in '99. <laughs> we're, we're forced into this box, and we're just like, listen, this movie not bad yeah. compared to like fucking Simon Says. 
Uh, but yeah. All right. Let's do it, Phil. So, uh, Haley, every every time uh, we, we do a rating on, on our show where we rate our movies uh, from zero to 99. Mm-hmm. So it's zero being the worst, 99 being the highest. Um, we've had this argument before, but I think that 50% is generally the, or 50 is generally the, the, the recommend or not recommend. Okay. Uh, we review it before the podcast and then after to see if the podcast changed our views on this movie. I'll go first. Um, before this podcast, this movie got a 29 from me, which I think is probably too high. Um, I, I was just like, Charlize is great. Uh, fucking a, he did, (laughs) you know, that gets, that gets, that gets it a 29. Uh, after the podcast, it's down to a 19. Like this movie is, this movie is rough. That's very, like it's, it's rough. That's very low for me. (laughs) So, but that's where I'm at. Uh, Haley, do you, uh, do you want to go? Oh, um, Ooh, tough. So <laughs> I I almost like might have rated it lower before the podcast, but we had such an interesting conversation around it that I'm I'm we did. reinvigorated on on the the intellectual experience people might have reacting <laughs> to this movie more than the movie itself. Uh-huh. I'm gonna give it a, a nice clean maybe twenty five. Let's go. That feels squarely okay. okay. I mean, maybe that's too low because no, no, it's not. It's not too low. It's twenty five. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, got one of the worst grades for me. I, I, I gave it an eleven. Like, I think wow. it is really. I think it is like a truly awful, awful movie. And like, I feel a little bit of what Haley's feeling. I. I have to go higher than an 11 after this podcast. I have to because, like, look at the big smile on my face. <laughs> you know, uh, like, movie, movies this low, are, it's generally movies that make me, like, actually mad. Um, but in the end of the day, like, this doesn't make me that mad. I just think it's super fucking incompetent. So I gave an 11 before. I'm, I'm going to go up to a 22. Like, it sucks so wow. badly. It's such a bad, suck, horrible, sucky movie, but it is ultimately, <laughs> it is ultimately mostly inoffensive, and it's mostly silly. And there is a way to watch this. This is a, kind of what I was hoping with Stigmata that just didn't happen. But there is a way to watch this and just have fun with the stupidity. Yeah. Um, Twenty two might even be a little low. Actually, I'm going to go to a 25. I really did not expect. Are you serious? It sucks, Phil. 25 is horrible. (laughs) I felt really guilty. So bad. 25 is like, uh, it's much worse than my favorite Martian got, right? It's a much worse movie than my favorite Martian. But it's a much worse movie than my favorite Martian. It's still like, you know, 11 does seem like that's not that that's not the experience that. And eleven doesn't give this kind of podcast experience. We had too much fun. <laughs> well, this is my th- yeah. I, I mean, listen, nineteen feels low. I'm gonna go twenty now, just because I feel like getting into the teens is kind of brutal. Um, twenty feels right to me. It should it, it's it should not be any. It should not be outside of the twenties. Is basically where I'm at. So I hated this fucking movie. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great time talking yeah, about it. I so I mean, talking yeah. about it, like I yeah. would, I would yeah. only wish this upon people 
who are willing to have so much fun with people they really sure. like throwing yeah. shit at the screen. Yeah. But there's yeah. value there. But I also I also want to say too, this feels like, and Kenny and I, we've had this conversation before. There's like a handful of 99 movies that are just ripe for remake. Like that I'm like, give me that thing and I'll make something great out of it. And I think we can all agree that there's something great that could have been made out of this. Oh, yeah. And when I say great, I don't mean like Oscar, but I mean like a fun just a more enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. But um so next week we are covering Fish, the band oh, Fish. Yes. We are doing an episode on uh their output in 99. I know nothing about Fish. Kenny knows maybe a little bit more than me, but I don't know not much. Uh I- we're having Aaron Lampert come on uh, a a fish aficionado, aficionado. <laughs> um that, uh, they should have been to, called. I believe they're called. They really should have been called. I believe they're called. They're fish called fish heads. heads. But yeah. aficionado is much. Aficionados better. is so much better. So, uh, we'll, so we'll she's coming on. Uh, she has. She has uh, given us a whole a whole great journey to go on about fish. Haley, do you like fish? Are you a fan of fish? I have. I have no opinion on fish except that I like the ice cream. I, that's yummy. The fish, fish food. food ice cream. Yeah. Food. Uh, okay. I'll fuck around with that. Yeah. No, the ice cream's yeah. great. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I want to say that I pushed for this episode yeah. despite not being a fish head or a fish fan because in 1999, mm-hmm. now Fish didn't have an album in 1999. Fish's albums don't really matter. Like, they exist. People like them. They did have an album in 99. They didn't. They didn't have a 98, Sorry, one of in 2000. But um, Farmhouse was not was two thousand. I know that for sure. I don't think they had. Just keep just keep telling me. What, just keep going. I'm gonna find. I'll keep telling you, man. But <laughs> uh, but I am a white Jew from the New York suburbs who went to camp. The 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 name of their ninety nine album is the Sicket Disc. Mm, so okay, anyway, sure. we'll talk about the Sicket Disc. We are gonna talk um, about it. Yeah. I but I who we went to camp and. Fish had an outsized influence on pop culture, not pop culture, on culture, not pop culture, on culture in the mid to late 90s in that part of the country. And it was a phenomenon. It's still, they still mm-hmm. are a phenomenon. There are people who truly look at them like a religion. And there are so few bands or things like this. Yep. Um, and it's kind of the last one. I mean, like to me, like the closest one to that right now is like Beyonce, right? Where like, mm. yeah, like, but but things that just don't puncture that mainstream bubble, but still have this massive army like following under the surface. So I'm really interested to hear a, a real died in the wood fish fan how she feels about that and the band and where they were. Hundred percent. Other things she liked yeah. and other things that were yeah. influenced because. I'd say, you know, a third of my friends, my very close friends, were obsessed with this band, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that Fish sort of, at my summer camp, I would say the equivalent was probably a Dave Matthews band to some degree or another. They they kind of have a somewhat similar, you know, kind of jam bandy, multicultural kind of sort of there's, vibe to them in some way or another. There's a conversation that we will have about yeah, both of them. We'll have that. But, they're very similar but, and very different. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to do it. Uh, I know nothing about it, and I like the fact that we can learn stuff on this podcast. But more than anything, Haley, thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you so you. much for talking about uh, 
the astronaut's wife. I hope that it was everything <laughs> that you wanted it to be. It was I know more. that it was for me. Yes, it was a genuine pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.